The Leafs got their win. Guess that's all that matters at this point. That's why you play the game. A week out of the All-Star weekend. Just got your points. And that's, I think, Sheldon Keefe kind of made that. Wasn't pretty. Maybe like a Clint Eastwood movie. The good, (laughs) the bad, and the ugly. Yeah, except the good came at the end. (laughs) The good came at the end. It was pretty ugly for a while. Nick Kiprios in for Justin Bourne. The lovely, the talented Mr. Gord. G-Man Stellick. Kipper, we have not... When's the last time we saw each other? We are in studio, yeah. everybody. This is beautiful. Which is great because Gord doesn't have to uh, borrow his daughter's password to get on the <laughs> the, the computer. <laughs> and and what is that room called? The hangover? The hangout. The hangout. hangout. The tree fort. I didn't know. You said like... You, and then the first time you said, like, join the hangout. Or was it called hangout? Yeah. Okay, hangout, so yeah. Google I joined, then I can't get in. So I thought it was for the pre-show meeting. Then I didn't know during the show I'm supposed to be on it, right? Remember? You're getting a little chippy the first show. You're being nice. Then you go, it comes like, figure out for me, your daughter, how to get on the hangout. We got to be able to see each other during the show, which, which I agreed. And we did after that. But now, now we can hang out in person. We can. Yeah. And it's nice to be back in our trusty duo behind the glass. Sammy McKee, Derek Brandeo. Yeah, sight for sore eyes. Look at us all together. It feels kind of like we're doing a completely different thing than we've been doing for the last month. It's very weird to sit here and actually be in a professional studio and talk on professional microphones as opposed to sitting in my bedroom with a gamer headset. It's a big difference. Turns yeah. out much easier to do. No, it's and hope and today's the you know it's a, the the start of the rest of our lives. I hope feels one step like forward. Talking to Stephen Brunt, Ben Ennis, they're in. It's like you know you used to hang around. God rest his soul, Johnny Fever died, Howard Hessman. See, that's what they used to do at WKRP. They did with Fle- Venus Flytrap and Bailey Quarters. You know, you'd hang around. Like, we hung around at Sportsnet, and you shoot the breeze, and you get stuff, and you have camaraderie, and we're going to get it again. Do you remember the one episode where Johnny Fever, I think there was a, a garbage strike, and he just uh, casually said for everybody to go dump their garbage on City Hall? Yes, yes. I always kind of envisioned saying something like that and having that response. Having that kind of power. Yeah. Yeah. That was funny. That was a good show. It was a really good, good show. show. And then the Bengals go to the Super Bowl. He he passes away and the Cincinnati Bengals go to the Super Bowl. How fitting. How fitting. I may not ask you a more important question in the next two okay. hours. Yeah. Uh, Bailey or Jennifer? Oh, uh, Bailey. Not even close. Jan Smithers. Battle of the Network Stars, too. Very underrated. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? Her, her, her one appearance. Her one appearance. This is the oldest guy in radio ever heard. Well, I, yeah, you know, you know, yeah, we're not going to go down the rabbit hole too much, but there's a lot of people nodding out there or maybe disagreeing. Sammy, just Google <laughs> Bailey or Jennifer. Did the, will they show up? Or they might be too old. I don't know if they'll show up on Google. What kind of internet do you have? Oh, yeah, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, there's the police sketch artist composite drawing. Oh, God. Oh, and sound. Did you not have TV? What, did you have bunny ears or something <laughs> yeah. up there? Try to get the yeah. uh, CKVR weather or something? Yeah, that's right. Okay. The new VR, watching Raptors and Leafs games from there when I was a kid. So we got uh, we, we got some comments out of Sheldon Keefe today uh, mm-hmm. out of practice. But uh, the one that strikes me is before we get to those comments, Gord, uh, the one after the game where he said, not a great game for us. But it's a great win for us. That yes. one, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not following that, that, that concept. And where, where is the great win? 
Well, that, that's the difference between being soft and that 10 days ago and walking that back a bit is understanding it wasn't a great game at all. And you're going to have clunkers against the non-playoff teams, which are so divided. But, okay, so Kipper. Which is I, Detroit, abundantly yeah, clear. Yeah. So I'm just saying in the third period, you finally said, okay, the one thing the Red Wings were doing were collapsing kind of in front of their goaltender. They were saying, we're not going to give you the primo grade-A scoring chance from the shots you'd like to take it. So it seemed like they started finding the seams from further away. Traffic in front, deflections, you know, bunting was a perfect example. So they found a different kind of way to win that game. You know, no uh, uh, no masterpiece. Uh, maybe another day it doesn't happen that way. Everyone always says, yeah, get some traffic, get some deflections. That's what you want. But See, that's I, what they did. I, I got the opposite Saturday night. I found the same way to win. Outscore your mistakes. Okay. That's what I got. Okay. Same. Yeah, exactly. We'll find, find a way to outscore, find a way a bit different than you keep going to the well that way. So, yeah, I guess then, you know, a couple of you know, empty netters make it a little more inflated. But, yeah, it was a real, man, it wasn't like the, like, like the week, like there have been a couple of games that were great ones to stay home for. And you go, wow, that wasn't Saturday. You kept looking, going, you know, even that he, Sam probably was looking up WKRP Bailey or Jennifer then <laughs> in the second period. He's that's why he's all that's why he's all embarrassed about it right now. Yeah, the first two periods were awful for the Leafs. I, I think that's as bad as they've looked in a long time because this stretch of hockey, they've played a lot of good hockey. I know they've blown some leads, but they've played really well. But I I can't really remember two periods in a row where they kind of looked just as unorganized and lackadaisical as they did. But I thought they kind of just. It, I'm not. It's not that you're not trying. It's an NHL game, but it really seems like they just kind of turned it on in the third period. And I think there's something to you saying about the them going into a shell, the Red Wings. It really seemed like they went into a shell, allowed a lot of pressure. But I don't know. It just seems like they turned it on, and I think that's a really good thing to be able to do. But I also think that that can be a pretty concerning trend if you get into that. Let's go to Sheldon Keefe with his comments on on maybe room to to grow here as a team uh, off that win. Well, I'm really excited with where we've with where we're at and, and what we've done here. I mean, we're, we're, we're as you say, we're going to play the the midseason game here tonight, and uh, you know we're we're playing 700 hockey with lots of room to grow, and that's very exciting. Well, it's uh, again, like I said, it's he he made his point ten days ago. I liked that point ten days ago. Um, I I didn't think he needed to walk it back as much as he did, but the Columbus series, the Montreal series. If you're a Leaf fan, take one ugly win. One of those losses turn into an ugly win, and we don't even remember that it was an ugly win. We just want, remember that they won playoff series that we felt, and, and really, they should have won in both instances. So if your good habits are developing, Kipper, and one of them is to find ways to win games ugly, then I like that as a good habit. The biggest storyline has to be Bunting's hat trick, the fact that he's come in, on a two-year deal at uh, 950 and now looks like a guy that is a top six player that would come anywhere between 20 and 25 goals riding shotgun right now with a guy like Austin Matthews. That, that to me, is, is huge, especially when you, you missed on Nick Ritchie. Yeah, he's the, he's the different type of Zach Hyman so far. Not, not identical player to Zach Hyman, but bunting, but can play on every line. Remember that uh, Zach was on the zip line with Ilya Mikheyev, uh, you know, and Pierre Engvall, like, you know, for a bit, like he just had that ability to, and, and that's, so Kippy, you're plugged in in a different way. So 
you look at Michael Bunting's stats, and people just go, oh, yeah, Bunting was at Arizona. He sucked. He had 10 goals in 21 games. He was a UFA. He was a, a Category 6 UFA. What, what did Arizona offer him? I mean, I, I think he was excited to play for his hometown team, but he's a, he's a, he got 10 goals in 21 games last year with the Coyotes. Okay, this is, so he started blossoming, and they don't keep him. at Like, Toronto gets him two years at 950? When, when you factor that in, Gord, you can say that he's got, what, 23 goals in 66 games. Yeah. So that's, that's closing in on a 30-goal uh, season. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Over so, the course of 82. So, I mean, did the Coyotes tell him to give him the shoe-shoe? Or, like, or did they, like, not offer him something? I mean, the, the, to me, that just shows a, the Coyotes. That's, that's up your, that's up Gord, your I, money. I look at other teams as well that would have witnessed that at some point in Arizona and go, okay, if the Leafs are at 950, I'll go 1-2. I'll go 1-4. Yeah. yeah. That, that kid's not turning down $600,000 difference. Would just to so. play for Toronto, but I, 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 I'm shocked that his agent threw in the extra year. Like if if you're coming off a kid who is now just starting to scratch the surface of what he might be, then roll the dice on 12 months. Why would you throw in the extra year? Like if you're you're either going big or you're going home. I assure you that extra year, if if he struggled, wouldn't wouldn't be a, a huge game changer compared to the upside that you would have had if in fact you were able to do what you you believed you could. Like that is it's it's a great it's a great one for for Kyle Dubas. Absolutely. He, he looks like a genius. But keep in mind, Leafs gave him a chance, like like also Sheldon Keefe and the organization, to play in good spots, and he's made the most of it because Nick Ritchie had those chances earlier, couldn't do it. Uh, I'd like to find you know find that out. Like, did he value that extra year security so much? Like, was it was it that barren out there with the flat cap world? Because his money comes under the amount that you could bury him in the minors. He's never got that like you know like whatever it's one point one five or whatever it may be that you can safely put someone down in the American Hockey League and get it off the cap. But anyway, good good on the Leafs. And and in Michael Bunty's case, good on a guy just saying, I want to be in a good situation. I want security. I like to be in Toronto. Does it cost you some money? Uh, arguably, yes, without knowing what other offers may have been out there. But good for the Toronto Maple Leafs that they got this situation. The, the one thing I've, I've stressed all season long is Bunting's a smart guy. We can see that with his goal scoring. Yep. Just uh, He's got a knack, right place, right time, in and out. Just the physicality on a nightly basis. And if you're going to be riding shotgun with, with Austin Matthews, game in, game out, he's just not that heavy type of guy that Zach Hyman was able to produce. Yeah. Or what you what you were hoping out of Nick Ritchie. Like, that is not there. He's also got another, uh, a great knack of drawing penalties. He really does. But... Like Kadri. <laughs> yeah, and with that comes a bit of a reputation. Like, when you, when you lead the league in drawing penalties, that gets the attention of the officials, and now there's going to be much more s- scrutiny and eyeballs on bunting when it comes to... Falling over, rolling around, looking at the referee. I hope that he's able to kind of pick and choose 
when he wants to embellish. And when I say embellish, I don't mean it disrespectfully. I think he's really good at drawing penalties. And sometimes when you can feel a certain way and 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 fall a certain way, it it hides the fact that you're embellishing. I I I throw that as a compliment to him. But if he's drawn, I don't know, Sammy, is there is there a stat out there? How many he's drawn? Probably 16 or 17. It might lead the league, or he's certainly at the top of it. He I thought the number was higher than that. The last 18? I saw he was second to Connor McDavid in the league in drawing penalties. Might so, be close to 20 then. I I think you saw an example of that actually on Saturday night. Was it at the first to the end of the first period or at the se- end of the second period where uh Dylan Larkin came in on him? And it looks like he could have chopped, got him a little bit with an elbow. It could have been a bit of a shoulder. But, you know, bunting through the head back, no call came. And then there was a big scrum afterward, and 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 bunting was in the middle of it. So I think you're going to see it go both ways. You're going to see a guy who gets penalties drawn, but there's also going to be guys that know his reputation. And listen, you can say what you want about him, but Keith was talking about it after the game with bunting competing for the 60 minutes. I don't think it's hard, other than uh, Marner, Bunting was in the fight the entire game. Like, he's in the right areas, scored all his goals from a centimeter in front of the net, except for the one he got the tip on. But the other ones, he's in the blue paint. He's scrapping. Like, you can say about him being in a good situation, but he has big time made the best of a good situation for him. And I don't want to send too much like our boy Brent Gunning, who adores Michael Bunting like anyone does. But I I just was really, really impressed with him on Saturday night. Well, and I I kid Brent that he's related to him. He's not. But Brent, (laughs) Brent got really sweet on him early. And Brent's right, okay? I'm, I'm sort of was more of a show-me. Um, I don't know if he's got any embellishment penalties, though. That would be the one that that, that would be, I'm trying to, off the top of my head, that Morgan Riley got that real chintzy one, right? The mm-hmm. even upper once. So I'm trying to even think that, okay, it's one thing that he, right now he's drawing penalties. I, I Off the top, I don't think Bunting's got an even upper embellishing. But, you you, you know, Kippy, uh, you, but that's what goes with the territory. You play longer, you, you draw the yes. penalties, and then yeah. it becomes it gets yeah. reined in a little bit. But, you know, hey, the guy's establishing himself. Yeah. I just I, I just know this because I've been in that scenario. I, I, I could draw penalties. That was another thing that I was actually pretty good at. And I just know when it comes to a certain point in the season when the calls start stop coming. Mm-hmm. And I would say, Sammy, if he's, if he's drawn 20 penalties – this season, I would say 50% of them would not be called in the playoffs. Depends. Oh, yeah. 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 And, well, you can argue that whatever the number is for everybody. So say it goes, say it goes down by a third, maybe for a half for him because he, he, he's made it into an arc. But also, you're going to sign the, the second half of the season. The officials are human. So yeah. whoever's on that list is all of a sudden it's going to be a mental mechanism there about it that they know if there's just one or two guys. And Nazem Kadri's a great example because he did start getting droughts at times, but then every now and then the ebbs and flows of, you know, being able to figure out how to draw penalties ends up being yeah. one of your positives. Yeah, and I'm not taking anything away from Bunting. He is he has done more than what has been asked from from him. But I still, guys, still see a little bit of a void... When it comes to a guy, and Bunting is great at getting his nose dirty when he finds that those little pockets of the ice. But the one thing still missing from the Leafs, particularly uh, in, in that top six, top eight, is a guy that can physically push back 
the D. Mm-hmm. Like I'm watching Chris Kreider, guys, and he has gone to another level. Yeah, And that is a guy that is arguably the best guy in front of the net right now. And but but has tremendous pushback that can physically push a D back. Bunting doesn't have that. That's what you really were hoping out of Nick Ritchie. And maybe sprinkle it in a few goals here and there. But that to me, I'm watching Saturday night, and until that offense kicks in in the third, it's kind of missing a little bit still. So the Darcy Tucker, Gary Roberts, in a best case scenario, right? I mean, that's the best case scenario. 100%. You know, because they get, they get the points and the goals. And, but um, it's not Kerfoot. It's not Nylander. Mikheyev wants to uh, get in on a forecheck and, and use his speed. Kasha, again, isn't that, I'm, not, I'm not seeing physical pushback. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing guys that work hard and can get in there and the quickness and the quick turns up, turn ups and cycling the puck, but pushing back a D, I still don't see it, Sam. You, 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 we, we know the style of play of the Leafs, right? We, we kind of witnessed it Saturday night. Uh, they're not going to physically bowl you over. We, we, but there, I mean, that's never been what they've, they've been, bo- they've been built to do, Kip. I mean, that's just kind of how they have gone about. And I think if you're talking about pushing back the D, I think the, the sort of design is having Austin Matthews speed and strength coming through the middle kind of backs them off a little bit. And then you have the compliment of, of Marner. And then you have the guy that goes to the front of the net and bunting. I think that top line really works well. And we saw it on Saturday night with bunting going to the front of the net, but I, you know, I mentioned Marner there, the play he made on the tying goal to set up bunting where he comes off the half boards and dances through the middle, passes it back against the grain for him to tap it in was an unbelievable play. And now he's got goals in five straights with the empty netter nine and one. When he scores a goal, Marner has been unbelievable recently. Uh, well, Wayne Simmons, of course, we know that, but that's, that's again, you want to get someone, ideally your Seven core minutes. six. Yeah, your core six. I, I mean, in the playoffs, best case scenario, he could get sprinkled a little bit more if it ends up being some kind of effective role. But, yeah, but in a, in a Jake DeBrusque, what the hell happened there, Kippy? I like, you know, talk about honesty. You know, like uh, Sheldon Keefe talked about the whole uh, soft word. Cam Neely, they were pretty blunt, right, about Jake DeBrusque? That the guy, uh, he got his goals. He was in the greasy area. He did all that we just talked about. And I'm not saying Leafs should go get him, nor would Boston likely trade him to Toronto. He's a, he's actually a guy that's going to be a UFA because um, you got to qualify him at a hard number. He's a restricted free agent, but you got to qualify him at over four million. You think they could walk like? Yeah, uh, yeah he won't. No, I don't like think Nick Ritchie. Yeah, they won't. They won't qualify him at that number. But but did he stop paying the price? You know, like uh, like consciously or not, or you know. Uh, he seems to have got back on track a bit since they kind of cleared the air, I right? I think so. so uh, and he has he has played a role. Yeah. But I think I almost needed, like, when you do the healthy scratch, then all of a sudden everyone goes, okay, this is real. And then it got out. And, um, you know, he wanted to get traded or not, but, you know, Bruins kind of addressed it, said we had chats, but then basically said, here's the way you got to play, and you're not doing it anymore. We haven't seen it. And I don't know, and his, his dad, Louis, would be a great mentor, I would think, to him, a great guy that he could bounce stuff off. And uh, don't don't make a problem out of it. See what you do to correct it because he's played a lot better. He's played a lot more of that role of late. All right, uh, you want to recap uh, Mrazek's night? Oh, jeez, 
So who is, like, when they're talking about Leafs trading a goaltender, they're not talking about Peter Morazic, are they? Like, no one's well, going to get him at the deadline. Yeah, Jeff Merrick did uh, a second intermission uh, on Hockey Night in Canada and talked uh, about Morazic. And, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure there was a whole lot of meat there. Yeah, I think in terms of yeah, because to clarify, Jeff didn't then chatting with him this morning. He more had some other names he thinks the Leafs might be looking at getting yeah. that they're understanding. So trade deadline would be okay. We're doing something, and can we get Nick Kiprios, who seems to be this harmless goaltender, somewhere in the mix? So that's more because you know if you're going to make a trade for a frontline goaltender, you're talking a team that's going to be in the playoffs that want this guy to take him to the promised land, and that's that's not Peter Morazic. He's played a handful of games. Yeah. You just signed him. It's just, there's just nothing there right now for no. the Toronto Maple Leafs to do other than hold on to them for an insurance policy that you believe was there when you signed him. And you reassess it in the offseason. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, you know, this to me is a story that isn't really a story. I mean, um, my breaking news is Gord Stellick will not be the next James Bond, right? Jeez. So it's way sometimes... to learn it from you. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> talk about unprofessional. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and so I think people get ahead because they go, "Oh my God, how are we going to keep Jack Campbell?" Don't worry about that. Okay, you know they've got. You could okay. The Phil Kessel money comes back. What one point two off the books? You buy Morazic out, but you're getting way ahead of yourself. You're getting way ahead of yourself. You know, so just let it see. And you know, Freddie Anderson, a big reason he's gone is just it never happened in the playoffs for him. And if Peter Morazic ends riding to the rescue in the playoffs, then it's a whole different, whole different complexion on things. Just hope he stays healthy, like I, everybody. I just I think that he's a capable goaltender, Peter Morazic. But the playing style is one to me that is, it's kind of, it's not palatable to my eye. You know what it is? When it's on, it's really on. And when it's off, he looks horrible. I agree. That's just, there is no in-between with this guy. And At least that's the way he's been in his career. And I didn't think he, like, was particularly good at all on Saturday night. I I, I don't want to rag on the guy, but there was multiple goals that went in that you wanted back. I'm watching Saturday, and I'm thinking... The Leafs were very fortunate they didn't let six in. Yeah. Six against yeah. Detroit. Yeah. And and actually Mrazic made some good saves in the third. It would it was like that uh you know, that Grant Fjord just make one big save then 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 the next guy and, and win the game. That yeah. that that had that feel to me. Yeah, well Grant Fjord also would win one nothing and win seven six. Yeah, you know, to the point, whatever it took. You know, it's funny, isn't it like everyone had a relationship when it's great, it's great, and when it sucks, it sucks? Like just the all, I don't, I don't mean just like, you know, I mean just friends in that as well. You know, you look back on it, and uh, I think quite often sports imitates life that way. But it's uh, uh, with Peter Morazic, there was, you know, we're kind of reaching. We're kind of giving him a participation marks when he's played well because you really want this to work out. And he, and he just hasn't been healthy, and there hasn't been enough for him to play. Uh, Boston's going through it now. Of late, ever since Tuka Ras came back, you know, like like they he didn't play the other he didn't play the six one loss to Dallas, but they had both both Swayman and Ulmark, and they did and they didn't play well in that. But anyway, Morazic will get the chance again tomorrow, and hopefully he can get get a, get a run of games and 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 find whatever his groove is. Regardless if it's Campbell or Morazic, still 
question marks on that blue line and maybe even a bigger one that Jake Muzzin uh, is not playing in these two games. And Sheldon Keefe had something to say about that. I think he's going to take a bit of a step back here now with, with the breakup coming. Uh, he was not going to be available to play in either of these games, so it just made sense to do that. So, uh, you know, they're going to continue to to monitor him and, and work with him and, and hopes to with hopes to ramp things up uh, again as we uh, get back uh, from the break and perhaps even throughout the break uh, in his case. A little bit of a hesitation there. Um, (laughs) I, this is the sense that I got out of listening to that. Uh, We'd probably like him to play, but he wants to take another week off. (laughs) That's, that's what I got out of that. Well, and uh, well, again, nowadays with the whole concussion thing, so it's, it's understood that's, that's the, that's the C word. Okay. And that's like, you know, Maybe You're it's, out. it's a good thing, Gord. Maybe uh, it's the players taking control and not forcing it in. And make no mistake about it, if if Jake felt good, he'd, he'd be in there tonight. He's not. He wants to take another week off. At the end of the day, it makes sense. You're going to need this guy so badly to be on top of his game. I The thought of no Jake Muzzin there uh, in these two games, like with real no physical presence back there tonight at all. You're just going to try to, once again, outskill your opponent. You're mm-hmm. not, not scaring anybody. Well, at least he doesn't have to skate off with his shirt off in the middle of the game like uh, Tampa Bay, you know, NFL style about being hurt. So he can get these. Uh, he, uh, he's uh, the all-star break. I, that's a good time, too, as well, if you're not feeling 100%. And I... I yeah, you know, Keith, it's interesting what he said. Like, I don't know if it's much he's saying, like, you know, Nathan McKinnon, uh, for example, everyone's off till the All-Star break. You know, you could break your leg today and you go, okay, but he'll be off the All-Star break. We go, aren't you out six to eight weeks, you know, or whatever it may be. So uh, in, yeah, Mudson's case, they're going to lack that physical presence. Boy, the New Jersey Devils, though, Dougie Hamilton, broken jaw. Like, on you know, that that that's not a very good team at all that you're playing tonight and tomorrow. That That's really in sync with what the Detroit Red Wings gave you, what the Detroit Red Wings should be when you when you play those kind of teams. They're they're kind of in the same boat. Does I'll ask both of you guys, uh, Sammy uh, included here, picturing what the Leafs could look like without a guy like Jake Muzzin, does that make you want to go out there and, and, and get someone that much more quicker before the deadline? Well, um... Okay, so life without Jake Muzzin is not very pretty for the Leafs. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, okay, you got it's understood you got to get one or two of those. Okay, and again, I use the Zach Bogosian type player just because you know that he he did that role last year. I just you know like if you're talking last year where they went big for a Nick Foligno who's a forward, um, to me that's not what you need to do as far as the defenseman goes. And now I'm wondering how many of those types are out there with so many teams being have not. So. So Sam, I, I again, the urgency isn't the same because you know you're you're in the playoffs. Where if you're fighting for the playoffs and all of a sudden you lose three games and lack of physical presence becomes you know really really obvious, then you're you're probably a little bit more anxious, Sam. Well, I think I li- I like the getting trades done prior to the deadline. You know, a few weeks before the trade deadline, I feel 
that sometimes you get a little bit crazy at the deadline and you get hosed a bit when it comes to trades. But I will say, even before this Muzzin issue with the concussion, which is a scary one, taking a step back, that's not necessarily what you want to hear when a guy is dealing with a concussion, which is a very, very unpredictable injury, as we all know. I just, I, I thought they needed one or two guys before he got hurt. So I think I'm still in the same boat. I, you need a lot of depth. A guy in the, that apparently has been playing very well for Vancouver Canucks and used to be a Leafs draft pick. Well, he was a Leafs draft pick. He didn't used to be. He's Luke Shen. Is that a guy that, you know, a Bogosian type, a bottom pair guy, a physical guy? I don't know. It's a guy that I, I would really like to see a reunion with because apparently he's been really, really playing well for the Canucks. Character guy, Kippy. I remember I ran into a couple of years ago, and he was kind of kidding that he's going, he's moving around the coast one team at a time. <laughs> he's like always in the Los Angeles and those places. And when when you shed the salary cap after the trade deadline, you need seven, eight defense. That that yeah. to me makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for the totally. Leafs to get reacquainted with a, a Luke Shen and. You're trying to win 16 games mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And a guy like that could contribute three, four, five games where he can come in and play 12, 14 minutes a night. We've seen it in the past. He's experienced that. Bogosian's experienced that. Without a doubt, that would be a, a, a solid pickup for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I've used the uh, the... I've used the Mike like the Mike Riley analogy. Just a, that was a solid pickup last year by Boston for a third round pick from Ottawa. Like you know, it just uh, doesn't always have. You know, there's the big like Josh Manson. I know that's one that everyone's sweet on, and I would think the the Leafs are. And then Anaheim probably has to revisit it a bit if they're going to be in the playoffs now. How does that change you being a buyer or seller? So uh, so so there's all those complicated things out there, and then someone who surprised you just might flat out be available. Jam packed show. Nick Kiprio scored Stellick. Ken Danico going to join us shortly here from MSG and NHL Network, three-time Stanley Cup champion. He'll help us tee up the New Jersey Devils and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Eddie Olchuk. Eddie-o! Give me a chance! Give me a chance! <laughs> Former NHLer, my teammate in 94, will be joining us as well. And Louis DeBrusque, and we'll recap Evander Kane's debut with the Edmonton Oilers. So, Bring in Ken Danico and and Ken, every team needs a D. How quickly could you get back in shape? <laughs> well, I I've thought about that with the Devils as well, Kipper. How are you guys? Good, buddy. Hey, How Kipper, are you? Good. I, I'm doing good, Gordon Kipper. Good to be on with you. I I'd have to cut back on the cigars significantly, and maybe give me four to six weeks. I'm ready to go. <laughs> you're, you're not willing to give up the cigars. <laughs> Maybe not at this uh, phase of my career or life. <laughs> or, or or the minimum seven fifty a year after after taxes and escrow. <laughs> you got that right. Um, I'll oh, take care of it. Yeah. So we've got back to back tonight: uh, Toronto Maple Leafs and New Jersey Devils. The Leafs have really had their way over the years with New Jersey. And I'm sure that's in a few devils uh, in the back of their minds. Anyways, uh, where do you see this thing uh, playing out for New Jersey in the back half uh, overall? I mean, are we going to see some unloading of some contracts? Uh, You don't necessarily sign a, a Dougie Hamilton just to start unloading again, do you, Ken? 
No, no, I don't think. I mean, obviously, if guys are on expiring contracts, uh, certainly you would think, uh, like most teams and general managers, you listen and, and you continue to rebuild a little bit, retool. But, but for me, guys, uh, regardless of the season they've had, and, and it started very well, the, uh, it's a fine line in this league. And I'm not just saying this uh, because I know a lot of people say you are what your record are. And I say yes and no with this team. They are in every game. They compete with the best of the best. It's that dreaded learning to win phase. I mean, they went into Tampa Bay, played them even, maybe even outplayed them, lose 3-2. Going to Carolina, hold them to 13 shots through two periods, yet they're trailing 2-1 to one and probably were the better team through 40 minutes. And, by the way, Carolina and Tampa played hard you know, me evaluating the game. And I was looking at certain areas of it and as far as puck possession and speed. So they've got a lot of good pieces, a lot of elements to be better. No, do they finish enough? Do they need a scoring wing or whatever? Do they miss Dougie Hamilton immensely because he played very well for them and was that uh, number one defenseman that they coveted and, and, and try to fast track to, to becoming a team that can compete for a playoff spot. And obviously it hasn't turned out that way. Injuries, there are circumstances. I know every team goes through, but they can't afford to have so many key pieces out consistently all year long. Jack Hughes went down the second game of the year, and that really set them back as well as far as the one-two punch along with Heischer down the middle. So there's a lot of elements. And goaltending, goaltending, goaltending. That's been the difference. If you look at where their goaltending's at, it's at the bottom of the league in a lot of categories. Two years ago, when they weren't a very good team, and I think they're in a much improved team now, they were in the top 10 in a lot of categories. Uh, so they have to have those things mesh. The goaltending, the timely goal, uh, they're a much better team, like I said, top to bottom in my estimation, the way they compete, the way they play, the way they're able to match against some teams. Uh, but they, they just can't find ways to win right now, Kipper, and that's the bottom line. So do I think they need to retool a tweak here and there? Of course they do, but but they're on the right track despite the frustration because I can't imagine how frustrated they are. Well, I do know they are as us here in New Jersey and, and wanting them to, to get better. It's just been difficult to win games and goaltending has been a big part. They do six goalies. A lot of guys that have no experience. Blackwood's been injured most of the year off and on or slightly injured, whatever it may be. and hasn't been able to grab hold of that, you know, elite guy, which I thought and a lot of us thought he was going to get to that level because he was a couple of years ago. And then Bernier goes down early, and that was the one-two punch, one-one-A that they wanted to be much better in goal, and it just hasn't materialized this season. So it'll be maybe back to the drawing board a little bit, but I don't think it's as far off as maybe their record says. So, Kipper, I remember when I was with the Leafs, we never beat the New Jersey Devils when Ken Danico was on the ice. So, okay, I remember a very, very different <laughs> different era. So, you know, there, you know, I'm looking at similarities now, Ken, and, and that goes the Leafs had back-to-back high drafts, Matthews, Marner. Uh, you know, in New Jersey, you mentioned about Heischer and Hughes. So you want to make some kind of improvement. I look at, say, Detroit right now in the Atlantic Division about, you know, probably mm-hmm. happy how they're moving along. And, you know, you mentioned positives of the way that the Devils are playing. I know in the Metropolitan, let's face it, the, the Flyers and Islanders are pissed where they're at right now. But what, like, from what, yeah. you, what you expected, what, and, and you know, Hughes, Heischer, and the team as, may, as far as making a step this year? Is it the kind of step you thought, or is it a little lacking, or maybe even a little bit more? Well, the results certainly aren't there, Gordon. That's the bottom line, wins and losses, and that's what uh, all is talked about. But I look at the little things, and I hope I made some sense with you and try to analyze it 
uh, to a T as far as watching this team every day and for years and, and wanting their success, obviously, because I've been there a long time. Uh, I'm not uh, going to mask the fact that they need to improve in some areas, and that's a few goal-scoring wingers maybe or more consistent consistency. They haven't gotten consistency on the wings after Jesper Bratt, really. A lot of good players there, but just haven't been as consistent as you like, whether it's Tatar, Janssen, who Janssen started very well, the former Leaf, uh, but it hasn't been there on a consistent basis. Pavel Zaka, they played well. They've had spurts, but it's just got to continue to to get better. So to answer your question, probably where I thought, I thought maybe they'd have a better record, but I didn't know of all the injuries and the goaltending would be the problem that it has been this season. And uh, for me, goaltending is half the battle. So that's been a big part of it where, and like I said, because of injury or whatever it may be, and no, they haven't been good enough at times or made timely saves. That's, that's all part of why their record isn't where I thought it would be this season. But as far as the overall picture, do I see a nice nucleus and Holtz coming up from the farm team and Utica being the best team in the AHL right now. So some of those guys can help along the way. And I think they'll be active in free agency once more in the off season. I want to turn the attention to the blue line, your specialty. Uh, overall, we know what Dougie Hamilton's absence has meant, but what, uh, what's your overall impression on, on PK Subban and the fit that he's had in New Jersey? He's on an expiring contract. Could there be a marketplace for him? Well, he's been much better this year, Nick. I mean, it wasn't great the first uh, uh, year he came here as far as consistency and different team and, and maybe was slotted a little too high for where he was at his career. But I will tell you this season, he, he's put, been pretty darn solid uh, as he's been, you know, his minutes have dropped a little bit. He, he's still a, a solid veteran NHL defenseman that he's played smart. He's played within his limitations uh, at this stage, like I said, of his career and, and, and has made a lot better decisions with the puck consistently all season. I've liked PK. I thought he's played very well. And I think no doubt if you're looking for a depth defense defenseman, uh, he could help some teams. I, I believe for sure as that depth guy, because now you see him, he's not trying to do too much. I think he gets exactly where he's at in his career. And he's still a, a pretty steady defenseman now when he, just plays the game uh, the way, you know, makes decisions, right decisions, but doesn't try to do too much. So that's the bottom line. And, and I've liked the way he's played for the most part. And Ken, you know, a couple of years ago when the Leafs were getting squeezed on the cap, so guys like Kasperi Kapanen and Andreas Janssen were moved in trades because they couldn't quite fit them in. I know scoring-wise, boy, Jesper Brad has been a real pleasant surprise. But after that, Janssen, third on the team. I notice I plus-minus can be a misleading stat or a, good, or a good stat, indicative stat sometimes. He's one of the few with a plus. So what's Andreas Janssen, New Jersey Devil, like? Look, look you know what? He, he works his tail off, guys. I'm sure you saw that in Toronto. He, he wants to succeed. He started the season extremely well after – really having a tough time coming over initially and, and obviously with COVID and setbacks and different things that every team had the previous year. And I know some, some this year, but he got acclimated to start this year and he, he looked comfortable and yes, he is responsible in both ends of the ice. And I do look at the plus minus uh, uh, at times. And, and especially when a team you know, has, uh, doesn't have a great goal differential. And plus two is very impressive for him. So he's done a lot of good things. He's been much better this year, Gord. Uh, started off very well offensively. He 
kind of hit a rough patch and a dry spell like a lot of the guys uh, had chances. Just that's what I'm talking about, some of the Devils' close losses and one-goal games, uh, just not being able to find that goal, find that finish, whether it's a Janssen, whether it's uh, uh, um, Tatar, whether it's Sharon Govich, who's gotten a little better, who had a great year last year as a rookie, but you find out your second year, things get a little more difficult, but it seems he's rounding a little more back to Sharon Govich of all because he's – his start was just uh, rough, to say the least. So these are all the guys that they expect, you know, to add something here. There's a lot of hockey left, almost half a season left, and see where they're at and help them win games regardless of uh, the East looking set already. But you still play. you got to look toward the future, and these guys will see who's part of it and who's not. But I've been impressed with Janssen for the most part. Want a little more finish like everybody else, uh, but uh, he's a pretty responsible 200-foot player. We're speaking to Ken Danico, a Devils color analyst on MSG, a three-time Stanley Cup champion. One more for me on the blue line anyways, uh, Dano, and that's uh, Severson. I bring, I bring his name up because there are some that want to link him to a possible uh, destination at the trade deadline with the Toronto Maple Leafs, a right-handed D. He also has one year left on his contract at $4.1 million. Do you see a scenario where they move, uh, New Jersey moves him? And if so, uh, would that be a, an expensive piece? Well, putting on, if I'm looking at it, putting on my GM cap or as far as what I want for the New Jersey Devils moving forward, Damon Severson's been their best defenseman. And for whatever reason, with fans, because of last year, because of inconsistencies, and again, I talk about trying to do too much, make something out of nothing, and turning pucks over too much last year, uh, and even to start this season, while the last, even in their, the record hasn't been that good, the last 20 games, he's been dominant since Dougie Hamilton's gone down, he's played 27 plus minutes, he's a horse, can skate, and he's played extremely well, the power play's improved, Damon Severson's been a big part of that, he can play in every situation, so for me, no, Fans, he's been the whipping boy for whatever reason at times, and a lot of that's because they look at the turnovers early in the year or, or from last season. I, I'm I'm having a tough time unless it's the right Packers. I know you got to make tweaks and, and make trades, but yeah, a team would want him definitely. A lot of teams would want him. He is a really good, and he's finally figured it out. Sometimes it takes time. Time takes time, and he's already played 500 games. But for me, he has finally figured out the whole package because you, he, you knew he had the great potential to be that two-way guy that could put 40-plus points up, be solid defensively, uh, you know, play in every situation. And he's finally there for me as far as a defenseman. And no doubt in my mind, been the steadiest, best defenseman over the last 15, 20 games, I would say, for the Devils. It'll be interesting, Kip. I never say never. For me, coming from my perspective, uh, the way he's played, this is what we've been waiting for for about five or six years. Uh, I wouldn't let him go just yet unless the package, you got an, uh, a package deal that you're trying to maybe uh, have a different look for your team moving forward, a little different chemistry, whatever that may be. So, Ken, you talked about the goaltending. I mean, post-Marty Berdur, Corey Schneider was really underrated how great he was for the Devils for so many years. So I know there's names out there, but uh, but you don't, you don't see them like you know, Arizona, Carl Vamalka. That was a name nobody heard of, and he's been their best goaltender. Yeah. So you got you got Blackwood and wh- where you think he can get his game, and, and what else is there as far as the Devils' future goes in goal? Yeah, I, I mean, it's just been 
a little early for guys like Nico Dodds, who did get a win early on in the season because he was forced into the lineup because of injuries or COVID. So I think he's got good potential. I think Schmid, uh, Akira Schmid has potential as well, and I believe he's starting tonight. I, I think that is what it looks like. This is a tough spot against the high-flying Leafs and all their offensive firepower. And, and let's face it, for a young goaltender that's 21 years old that hasn't really faced this level of competition, it's not easy. They've been great, both guys in the minors. Do they have potential to be National Hockey League goalies, Dawes and Schmid? I think so, no question about it. But you you got to rely on still Mackenzie Blackwood is your guy right now. And he is out of the lineup, and he's been dealing with a lingering heel injury from off-season surgery most of the season. Having said that, I think it's up to Mackenzie Blackwood now in his mind. Does he have all the attributes and athleticism? Oh, boy, he showed it two years ago when the team, like I said, the record was abysmal for about a two-year period there. And Mackenzie Blackwood, if you look at, uh, the analytics and the high danger saves and the goals against and save percentage. He was top 10 in the league. And all of a sudden this year has just been a real difficult year. And yes, the injury has something to do with it, but a lot of it for a young goaltender is, is mental. And, and I believe he's got to be willing to take the bull by the horns because I think he can be a top goaltender or upper echelon goaltender in this league. But it, it's, you know, that, that turning point, it's at that that stage where are you ready to do that? And I think he's capable, so we will see. But he's got to get healthy. Um, but those two young kids, like I said, are, are a few years away. Do I believe they have potential? Dawes looked really good in one game early on, and it looks like he could be a National Hockey League goaltender in the future. But it's something they still have to figure out, no question. Like a lot of teams, guys, right? I mean, goaltending, goaltending, goaltending. Did Carolina think Freddie Anderson was going to be what he has been thus far this season, probably not. So sometimes luck is involved too. You hope you pick the right guy or veteran guy, and they're going to have to look. Hopefully Bernie is healthy next year. But they've got to figure that out, uh, certainly for me, uh, along the way, what they're going to do in the net because you got to give your team a chance to win on most nights. And that hasn't been the case. A lot of circumstances involved. The New Jersey Devils trying to end a four-game losing streak tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Hey, Ken, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, enjoy the call tonight. All right, fellas. Always a pleasure catching up, Nick. Haven't talked to you in a while. And, Gord, I, I talked to you once in a while, but uh, keep up the great work, guys. Pleasure being on with you. Ken Danico. Sitting last day eh, in the Metro. This was a team that was supposed to knock on the door for a playoff spot. Yeah, it depends on, yeah, it's kind of a faint knock right now. That's, you know, I mean, like I said, the Devils and Islanders, worst case, worse than that. But Akiri Schmid, he plays tonight. He's got a 5.00 goals against average. He's only appeared in four games. So they're putting, they're putting the greenest of green in tonight if he draws Whoa. a starting game. But that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. Oh, and the Cookie Monsters will be out tonight. I, I have a different feeling. Eight, nine tonight. No. I pass, don't. pass, no, pass. <laughs> what, about that, what about that kid in, with the, the no-name kid in Arizona that stonewalled them? No, no, name, no way that's going to happen tonight. The, the, the Leafs have a weird way of going into a game with a goalie that they're supposed to light up, and sometimes it doesn't go as well as they think it should. I, that's coming from watching, uh, being a fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs my whole life and watching them, the, the Dwayne Rollisons of the world. Remember yeah. that? Like, there's all these weird goalies yeah. that, that stand on their head, so maybe not. We'll have a good feel, I think, in the first five minutes where this thing goes. You, you know, Kippy, okay, so this era reminds me, I like to be able to smile, but about a Leaf era, 
when Mike Nicolick was the coach. You know, found out that Mike Nicolick, the news that he died at age 87, so great long life. I think a lot of people out there would remember Mike uh, as he coached three and a half years. He actually coached the Philadelphia Flyers. He was the assistant coach to Fred Sherrill. They won two Stanley Cups. Uh, he might be the first assistant coach, but I think the first assistant coach to get his name on the two Cups, then with Freddie to the uh, Rangers. And then whatever it was, he was on this radio network when Telemedia, it was called Hupex then, got the leaf rights. He was the color voice with Ron Hewitt. Hewitt did it for two years, then Joe Bowen started in 1982. But Mike Nicolick was his color guy halfway through the season. Uh, coaching change. Mike Nicolick comes out of the broadcast booth in January 1981. And, uh, and Mike Nicolick, Joe Crozier's out. Mike Nicolick becomes the head coach. The last 40 games, I got to work with him for three and a half years. I tweeted today that, honestly, I don't know if you met him or not, but there was, I've met a lot of nice people. I've never met a nicer person in, ever than Mike Nick. Like, he gave me his office. So he kind of said there was, coaches had an office in the executive offices and one in the dressing room. And then when he took over a week later, he said, hey, why don't you take my office here? Because you do all the work. I was like in a little chair looking like, you know, people thought I was doing Swiss chalet orders or something like that, you know, on that. <laughs> and I uh, just had a wonderful, it was, and it was tough times for the Toronto Maple Police back then. Ricky Vive scored his 350 goal seasons with Mike Nicolook. And, you know, it was a different era. You didn't work on development of coaches as much in that. But, boy, lots of, you know, no cell phones or anything like that. So lots of memories of meals and beverages and talking. And, man, oh, man, Kippy, the plane, the charter plane was going, and he had a cigar in his mouth. And as soon as the no smoking sign went bing off, <laughs> it was like the fastest, which doesn't happen anymore, the fastest cigar lighting in the world. So I don't remember a ton about him, but he didn't come as a hard ass. He was anything but, right? And and coming from Fred Shiro, you would have yep. thought that he would have played some mind games with players, and yep. but uh, more methodical, right? Not a not a, a yeller uh, no. or, or someone that no. will. Uh, put people down to see if they can lift yeah. their game. Probably a little too soft. Probably a little too soft. His brother Danny was a legendary tackle with the Toronto Argonauts, number 60. And it's funny, the history, when I did the book on the 67 Leafs with Damian Cox, so the story of how did Bobby Bond become a Leaf? Well, Mike Nicolick, they were interested in him, I think, for the either the Weston Dukes or the Marlies. But I think the West, and he just said he had to come a long way on the streetcar. Can I bring my buddy Bobby Bond? So that was it. He scouted, basically brought the guy that got the uh, game-winning goal in the 1964 Cup. But I, I, uh, his, uh, he lived right at Bayview and Shepherd, Mullingham Court. That's where, that's where he lived, right in that townhouse development there, and his wife Dolly. And Anyway, had not seen him for a long time, but I think of his smile, I think of his cigar, and I think anybody that had the four good fortune to meet him or know him would be doing the same. So great long life, but uh, a Leaf alumni, a Marley alumnus. And uh, Mike, thanks so much. Good, nice guys do finish first, and that's uh, you know he taught me that nice guys can finish first. Condolences to the Nicolick family. Uh, when we come back, Eddie Olchuk, former NHLer, and uh, I think just past Mike Nicolick's uh, yeah coaching. He was a later, later yeah. on. Uh, we'll we'll share a few stories with Eddie Olchuk, and also later on in the show, Louis DeBrusque to recap Evander Kane's. Debut with the Edmonton Oilers on the weekend. That more on Real Kipper and Bourne 